in our passage today, Moses, arguably the first prophet, and nearing the end of his mission of taking the Israelites to the promised land, is speaking of how life will be in that place. It is worth remembering that, that Moses on the journey through the wilderness is not simply saying, right, we're going here, right, we're going there. He's, he's not just a, a tour guide, you know, holding up his staff to part the Red Sea in the way that a courier might hold up the umbrella and say, right, forward we go. That's not it. It's not just that he's there to ensure that there's prayers for the provision of food and drink, enough to drink. His role is to speak the word of the Lord, to hear and to relay it, to make sure that the message is heard. And of course, when they came to Horeb, and the power of God was seen there. The Israelites were afraid and they're like, we don't really want to encounter God too much. And Moses had that intermediary type role. He became an even greater prophet, bringing forth the word and the law. When they arrive, they will see that the Canaanites, the people already in the promised land, the people that have been living there for the hundreds of years that uh, Abram's descendants uh, have been in Egypt, they will see that these Canaanites have been up to all sorts of hocus-pocus. All manner of sorcery has been going on. There's the worship of idols. There's the casting of spells. There's belief in astrology. And uh, there's lots of meaningless practice that's dishonoring to God. There are people doing things that are far from holy. And it's easy when you go somewhere to pick up those habits. When you go to a new community, to just settle in there and adapt immediately into everything that's going on in there, if you're the stranger. But these are the people of God going into a place that is far from God. They can't adapt adopt these practices that have been going on in Canaan. They have to seek what is good and right and proper. They have to live the way of God. They are the chosen people. They can't have anything to do with soothsayers, with false religion, with such pagan practice. They have to follow the law that was handed down through Moses. The instructions for life that said, this is what you live. This is how you do it. 
and to help them understand, because it is a long and complex series of instructions in the law, Moses says you've got to have prophets. You will have prophets that will be there. I will raise up for you a prophet. It says in our translation today, that that word is rightly translated more as prophets, plural. It's not just one person that Moses is speaking of. It's not just Joshua who will follow on from Moses that Moses is speaking of. It's about all the prophets that are to come. All the people that God will give his word to. And that will be able to share how they are to live and redirect by speaking with truth and power. All those throughout the Old Testament. And it also speaks of those who today speak God's word. But how can you tell a prophet from a false prophet? How can you know that the word is right? How do you know that message is for you? And isn't simply for a much wider thing that isn't of God? Well, the saying goes, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, isn't it? The proof of the pudding. Now, that's not talking about something sweet. It was Burns night. On Thursday, anybody have haggis? No way, Peter. Ah, vegetarian haggis. That's still kind of the sort of pudding that the proof of the pudding is talking about. You know, something that's put together that way. It's not your apple tart and custard or your jam roly-poly. It's about your, your black pudding or your haggis. Or something like that. It's something that you can't really tell what it is. You look at it and go, well, there could be anything. Could be anything in that. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Whether it comes out, whether it's true, whether it's right. Moses here tells us, that we can know a prophet is real when their word comes true. Now, of course, that was the issue last week for Jonah. In our reading from Jonah, he was giving out a message, Nineveh's got to be overturned. And he wanted to see that city destroyed, because if it wasn't destroyed, he would be seen to be a false prophet. And of course it wasn't destroyed. But the issue at hand there was that Jonah misunderstood what the overturning might be. Not destruction, but a turning to God. Because the king heard the prophet and led the people into repentance. 
So we have to be careful in how we discern what the outcome of the prophet's word is. Because it might not always be quite how we assume it's going to turn out. But there are other ways that we can identify false prophets too. If an individual is speaking for false gods rather than the true God, then that person is clearly a false prophet. Those false gods can include fame, the seeking of fame and fortune. And also perhaps the superiority of one group of people over another. That might be a race, it might be a nation. If a person is promoting personal benefit over love, then they are not in harmony with God. God's way is of love. And love is a sacrificial thing. It's about giving. If it puts the growth of a particular section of society above the urgent needs of others, then that is not of God. Because God loves all people equally. Politicians might at times be seen to be false prophets when they advocate policies that favour gains for some that might be seen as entire populations of the country even. If that is over the well-being of others from other nations. That's hard, isn't it? We expect them to do what we want and for them to do things to benefit us. The way Putin controls the narrative in Russia might be seen to be as a false prophet because he speaks in a way that gives falsehood and in his relationship with the church, it gives a falseness out of it. He leads into evil actions. And so it's easy to dismiss him. But we have to look at our own things closer to home too. And remember that those who misplace the full stop in that sentence that starts with charity begins at home. But which continues to say but should not end there, are being false prophets. If they say, this is God's way, charity begins at home. As I've said it before, Thomas Fuller in the 17th century intended it as an encouragement to be more generous to people both at home and outside of the home. To love everyone. To love everyone equally. We recognize the prophet's voice as being true when it speaks to all levels of society with the same message. A message that is in accord with the scriptures. It's not one law for them and a different law for us. It's about applying it equally. 
If a prince is told the same as a pauper, then that is more likely true than if it simply favoured them. When favour is bestowed on people of power and places of authority, and the law is not applied in the same way for the rich, rather than a message of righteousness and justice for all, then the word is false. Those who gave false testimony against postmasters were holding up their computer system as if it was a golden calf, claiming it had the power to do no wrong. That's false prophecy. And in America, this week, Trump on trial was about him declaring untruth. He is held up by many, including many Christians in America, as if he was a prophet, as if he was speaking the truth, and that this is the way ahead. But he's just been ruled to have been speaking untruths. Likewise, when it comes to the UK general election that will probably be later this year, it's right that before voting, we each take time to consider the manifesto of the parties against what God requires of justice, of mercy, of love. I'm not saying any one party is right. There might be truths and untruths in amongst them all. But we have to seek what is God's way. We have to identify the false temptation of what attracts us because it is beneficial to our personal circumstances. And instead seek what God might have us do. As the church, as God's people, we are all considered, uh, we are all called to consider God's word. And we are also all called to share it. Preachers, including ministers, need to bring a message that can be weighed up. And you, the hearer, need to discern whether what I say and what others that stand here say is truth or falsehood. Are we close to what God's word says? Are we basing it on what is in this book? The book that's been handed down through the generations over millennia the message of the Lord, the word that is there. Are we honest to it? Or do we lead you astray? And that, of course, requires you to be familiar with what's in here, doesn't it? How do you know we're reading and telling the truth of what's in here, if you yourselves don't read it. You have to spend time reading the word, 
at home. Perhaps reading it in your home groups. If you aren't in a home group and you want to know more about that, speak to either myself, Simon's not here, but, you know, one of us will help you think about that, about joining group, where the, the scriptures can be opened and explored in a new way and discovered and gone into in depth because it takes time. You as believers are to be witnesses of the word. And being prophetic involves not just speaking what's in here, but living it out. What sort of prophetic message of God's way do each of you share in the world? Do you bless Do you encourage? What do people see from a distance of your actions, your mannerisms? Do you share the love of God equally with people of every background? Or are we people claiming to be followers of Jesus, but living in a way that actually gives a false message of what being faithful means? Faithful to God and faithful to his word. Moses was a true prophet, called by God. And he shared the word so that the Israelites could live as the people were meant to live. As God's people. May we too hear and understand and live in a way that whatever we are doing we faithfully share the word of God.